0: Outlined how accounting practices Good fuck. What? Did not what
1: what kind of likeness is that? Feature. If they were great artists, they'll be in a museum. I'm fucking fodder for cartoonists now. Cartoonists
2: now.
3: Okay, it's time for another fantastic episode of gutter boys gutter boys is a small press comics podcast about the ins the outs the highs and the very deep endless lows of making comics i'm your host jb with my co-host cam on today's episode episode uh, 79 79 on today's episode we are joined with south dakota based cartoonist mark wagner
4: or Vaginer, if you're a real poon hound. <laughs> Vaginer. I'm <laughs> sorry, Mark. <laughs> and Mark's girlfriend. <laughs>
3: oh, yeah. Mark's got a new book out called Metal, currently being distributed by Stranger Fanzines, a.k.a. Strangers Publishing now. Yep. They're finally, uh, I guess, going all in with the small press publishing.
4: Yeah, they and I haven't seen a zine in a while, so maybe they're just done with a zine. I don't know. I feel like yeah. it's been a year plus without a zine, so.
3: Yeah, so we talked to Mark about his new book, uh, his past work- uh, so yeah, if you guys are a fan of his work, I think you'll enjoy it. If you've never heard of him before, uh, you know, listen to the podcast or listen to this episode and go check out his work. It's,
4: uh, it's really good. Yeah. You can get the new book metal at, uh, strangerspublishing.com. It is It, uh, is a really phenomenal book, really surrealistic horror kind of stuff. We get into that with him on the uh, back end of the show.
3: I'm pretty sure he still has copies of his older work too that he self-published, right?
4: Yeah, Dead Cells. Uh, I don't think he has Missing Cat anymore. He kind of the vibe I got from our interview with him is he kind of denounced that, but um, he might. I don't know. DM him.
3: Uh. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Perth's is going to say no to money, regardless yeah, yeah. of if whether not or not in this like... economy. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. You sell Are one you comic ready? and you get two gallons of gas. Are you guys baby? ready for this show to go to absolute shit in the yep. next six months as we spiral into the Great Depression?
4: Yep. Actually, you know what? Uh since uh money is about to be tight, this is a great time to plug our Patreon, gutterboys.top, or patreon.com forward slash gutterboys. You can get bonus content yeah. and physical goods there.
3: I got a feeling that the numbers on that are gonna
4: whew, take a quick dive And then, <laughs> Well to incentivize. I, I thought of an idea and yeah. uh, you know you can edit this out. But if you just want to throw us a buck on Patreon, you know, you don't get any content for that. But I have an idea that if we can get the Patreon to two grand. Two thousand dollars a month, and we're like twelve hundred off of that right now. But if we can get it to two <laughs> grand, <laughs> hey, it's something. It's a goal. But if we can get to two uh, grand, we'll go weekly with guests. Yeah. They, what do you well, think about we that? Kind would of that be? Are. Would, oh, you would, mean like on the main feed? On the main feed, I think yeah, that'd be a, okay.
3: Hmm. Yeah,
4: maybe. Yeah, that'd I
3: be more adding for mean you. Our, I think our Patreon episodes would just become even more loose.
4: Yeah, uh, but I mean, you know, we would still do two a month but i mean if people people come for the main feed and our diehards stay for the patreon so if we can get those people yeah. that just want yeah, more yeah, of yeah. the main feed to give us some money hey yeah uh,
3: my uh, my opinion is is that all the diehards are already all in at this yeah. point i don't think <laughs> i think the only still way the only potential. way we're going to grow that patreon is if we somehow magically convert a bunch of random people that periodically listen to the main feed for free yeah. and they feel bad for us yeah
4: and uh yeah that, so, that, that yeah, that's what I'm feel thinking bad. yeah feel yeah. bad and get us a two grand a month, and we'll go uh we'll go uh <laughs> weekly and uh, you might have some repeat guests there, you know, maybe some of the uh, patreon yeah. stuff no, we will. definitely
3: will, let's be honest,
4: <laughs> yeah, um, but if you want us to go, no, i mean we but we could talk about that off the air, but yeah not, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah i that's something I thought of, like to incentivize like smaller uh-huh. donations that add up, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah,
3: but if you know if you have like a rich uncle or something, and they just don't know what to do with all their money that they're fucking swimming around in in their yeah. their big uh, Scrooge McDuck pool safe house, uh, you can send it our way. That's at Gutterboys.top or Gutterboys uh, on Patreon. Patreon.com backslash Gutterboys yeah uh all right so let's uh dive into plugs because i know we got a lot there's not a whole lot of news to cover and most of the stuff that barely counts as news we're gonna talk about in our patreon episode which we are <laughs> gonna record immediately after this yeah as i'm gonna be i'm gonna be gone for a week so you know gotta fucking get my shit in before i leave
4: Yeah, so this one's just going to be shout-outs, and then uh, we'll probably return with news uh, on the next main feed. But if you want, quote-unquote, timely news, I guess subscribe to the Patreon, and you'll hear what we (laughs) had to talk about on there. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but yeah so starting off with shout outs uh, I want to shout out friend of the show up north Canadian cartoonist Rob Mursky sent us a new issue of Sludgy Sludgy number four Rob's still cranking away at this despite starting new series that are exclusively available via his Patreon uh, you know what you're getting with Sludgy at this point consistent uh, really good funny comics that on the surface looks like they'd be for kids but uh, once you read them you realize they're a little naughty and not for children uh, but you could definitely find Rob online on Instagram at MerskTunes on Instagram and then
3: uh, Patreon member, friend of the show, Brian McCrae, a.k.a. Bam McCrae on Instagram, sent Bam, us Bam, we're going to get you on the show, bro. Uh, yeah, we really need him on the show. He's yeah. one of the best cartoonists working right now, if yeah. you ask me. Uh, yeah, so we you're horny got, is what you're saying. I'm very horny. We got, okay. He got copies of uh, his new pinup zine that he's been making uh, over the last few months. This is uh, number three. Again, some really, really well-drawn ladies. So if you're into that stuff, go check it out. And even if you're not, I, I don't know. I like this stuff from like a figure drawing aspect. Yeah. I don't know if he's using references or not. Probably not. Maybe. I'm not really sure. He's just, if he is, he's hiding it really well. So I don't know.
4: He's, uh, you know, making comics also over at Strangers, but um, he's trying to get that Eros publishing money, even though Eros doesn't exist with this pinup zine. So uh, just drawing a bunch of filthy, filthy smut that we can't even post on our Instagram. I can only post the cover of these zines usually.
3: (laughs) Right. (laughs) They're like an extreme
4: close up. Yeah, we don't want to get flagged. We get enough of that as is. Yeah. But yeah, shout out. Uh, bam, he will be on the show eventually. There's a process to this. We talked to you for like a year about, or I talk to you rather for like six months <laughs> to a year about coming on. And then eventually it happens.
3: Yeah. If you DM me and ask to be on the show, I'm going to block you. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that right now. Yeah. We're we're learning from Gleb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, speaking of Canada, our boy Jasper Jubinville, our beautiful cartoonist child boy, mm-hmm. he sent over Kung Fu Comics starring Dynamite Diva. This, I believe, made its debut at Permanent Damage a couple yep. of weeks back, and uh, what what can you say? It's yeah. great. Jasper's it's Jasper. already
4: running laps around the game. Matter of fact, we should say mean things about Jasper. We built him up, <laughs> and now we should try to tear him down now that he's too big for his that's, britches. That's
3: true. That's yeah. true. The, the moment he gets a full-on Fanta deal, I think when it's when we can really bury him.
4: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's almost there. You know,
3: it's on the horizon. So mm-hmm. yeah, it won't take long at all. Mm-hmm. Nate, however, Nate Garcia will will talk shit about him now. Like we'll we'll preemptively bury him before yeah. he gets big. Mm-hmm. He's already big. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. Nate's, yeah, don't feed his ego. He's going
4: to. Yeah. I mean, we talk about it on the back end of this interview, but uh, Nate just got a review in Four Color Comics that was like, when will Nate go too far? <laughs> 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 Three comics into the game. He already talked about when he'll go too far. <laughs> no, but shout out Will Nate. Does I mean, Nate obviously... have
3: a new kind of autism? <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Next up, uh, Cameron Hathaway sent over uh, Clusterfucks comics as well as the uh, Free Comic Book Day accompaniment uh, that came with that as well. Uh, you know, Clusterfucks is an anthology that you know is a sponsor of the show. They sent over Clusterfucks comics issue four, which is packed to the gills with tons of contributors, featuring Jason Cavelli, Cameron Zavala, Tony De Pasquale, Umberto Tanella, Eric Jacek, uh Chad Cook, Miguel Aguilar, Jason Morrow, Alexander Daikaiju. thats a fake name, bro—and uh, <laughs> Drew B. Hall. Uh, you can check out Cameron online at ClusterFux Comics on Instagram, F-U-X and Fucks. And he also sent over the free comic book day issue, which um, I don't know if you still have that, but it is kind of interesting to see that he went traditional size and actually uh, changed up the printing method. I, I'm kind of curious to know, you know, how he got this set up in stores for free comic book day. I think it's interesting that uh, when indie companies try to participate in the mainstream events, so I should hit him up and ask him about that. But yeah, uh, great work to all the contributors, and follow them online at ClusterFucksComics.
3: Yeah, and uh, Eric Jacek, actually, we shouted him out last episode for a couple books he sent over. Yeah, great work, yeah. Go check him out. Uh, let's see. Jurassic what else do we Jacek. have to shout out? Is that it? All right. Uh, then we get from Isaac Roller, sent over a very well-packaged uh, set of comics. Late comeback press-level packaging. I'll say yeah yeah this stuff is really <laughs> well done actually uh anyway yeah. uh transmissions from Dreamtown volumes one through four and like I said he packages them very tastefully I don't know how else to put it
4: I've got like Harry Potter uh fucking red wax envelope stamp on mine did you get that too yeah it's okay kept- uh no mine was taped Oh,
3: mine was taped because I am not. I this is your show, so you get you get the fancy no no wax no hang seal, on hang and on no I get I get the uh, office tape that he got uh, from his cubicle.
4: <laughs> are you are you looking? No, you're looking at the actual like zine holder. Mine's taped too. Did you keep the little envelope that he gave it to you in? I don't No, there's no. It was in a, a volume...
3: It was in like this little um envelope thing that he made it looks like from a magazine or something it's yeah like a that's what I got magazine yeah but it's not it's not wax sealed it's with
4: just regular bro uh, okay tape. if you're if you're gonna send us stuff it's got to be consistent okay people no <laughs> no it's fine I get it
3: Cam is the host of the show Uh no. I am, I'm, I'm just here uh, to get the show canceled
4: this is JB's show actually he asked me to do it folks I um, <laughs>
3: Uh, but yeah, thank you very much, Isaac. Really, really well done. I'm not offended that you did not wax seal mine. It's still, it's still cool. You're, you're fine.
4: Yeah, it looks really good production value. Uh, really good shit, dude. Definitely, definitely. Keep it up. Yep. What else we got? Yeah, and last but not least, uh, we have a new zine called Mr. Sunday Monthly. It looks like issue 26, uh, strips 160 through 163. Uh, a couple things relevant to the show here. First is a uh, little letter to us, JB. Hey, Gutter Boys, love what you do. Here's a copy of my monthly zine, a miscellany that collects my weekly comic strip, Mr. Sunday in print form. Check out my comics at space underscore patrolman on instagram and then uh in the fine print of this uh he actually like uh i guess you know this is a web comic and he prints them and does little uh commentary on them and uh he you know has a little segment uh where it's like monthly musings but we are mentioned in the notes for the strip biome uh the fine print says check out nate garcia in parentheses prodigy child cartoonist episode of gutter boys podcast for an explanation of this strip's title biome do you remember what we talked about regarding a biome because i don't
3: no i don't i don't what are we talking about his hair maybe, maybe his hair
4: is a biome yeah maybe we're talking about the movie biodome
3: or maybe we're talking about his shitty apartment
4: that's falling apart <laughs> filled with rats
3: maybe that's a biome
5: <laughs> yeah
4: but no thank you for shouting us out in your uh printed zine uh even nate i guess you know even though he gets all the praise that he needs already i was talking yeah, to josh not, in a chat in with nate right uh you're in there too jb but i was like yeah we got a humble nate we got we got, to, we got to beat Nate down. He's getting too much too quick. So me and Josh are just punishing him like uh, a couple old vets at basketball practice in the NBA. Also, oh, yeah. new it Gutter looks Boys like there's award coming award. Award on the uh, year-end list. A new award that I'm not going to tell you because it would tell you who wins it. But the so inaugural more information one is going on to be those, awarded uh, to its namesake.
3: Henceforth, uh, f- verily. Is that it? Is that all we got? Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's uh let's fucking yeah, I do guess it. That's let's it. go right into the interview then. Yeah. Yeah. So stay tuned.
4: Yeah. We'll be back after the break with Mark Wagner.
1: We'll be right back. What do a pair of deadly assassins, a beefy pile of roided-up high school football players, a zombie outbreak, huge dragons, and a himbo barbarian have in common? You can find them all in the upcoming pages of the Santos Sisters. That's right. Ambar and Alana are back for more gripping adventures. Once again, Offset Press printed in full color on your favorite decadent newsprint. Prestigious publication. The Comics Journal loved the first issue, calling it a highly entertaining comic. And Katie and Sally from the Thick Lines podcast called it a masterpiece. And more than they deserve. And who are we to disagree? The Santos Sisters is available now. Don't miss out. Ask your favorite comic book retailer to add it to your pull list today. Or find it online at santosisters.com.
3: Athenium Comic Art is an original art website for some of the best cartoonists in the business. They currently represent Remy Boydell, Marie Capelle, France, Nicole Gou, Jonathan Hill, Emma Hunsinger, Casey Nowak, Micah Song, and Tilly Walden. Athenium Comic Art gives fans the opportunity to own original piece of art from their favorite comics and support the artists that they love. In their short time in business, they've already shipped many iconic pages out to hardcore fans across the globe. Don't miss out on your chance to own a one-of-a-kind piece of history. Check out their website, atheniumcomicart.com, and type in Guttergang at checkout to receive free shipping on your first order. Again, the website is atheniumcomicart.com. And the code is
4: gutter gang. 73 minutes before you die, your eyes turn a vibrant violet. There is no action to reverse this ocular ticking clock toward death. less than an hour and a half to live, what would you do? Welcome to the world of Purple Eyes. 32 creators bring you 18 stories of humor, heartache, and humility, with tales from some of the top creators in indie comics, such as Valeria Araya, Llewellyn Polanco, Mario Candelaria, and Philip Myra. Now on Kickstarter until June 15th. Physical and digital copies of the book are available as well as custom commissions and the opportunity to be drawn into several stories. Get your copy of the summer's most talked about anthology at Purple Eyes on Kickstarter or at purpleeyescomic.com.
0: Morning, Gary. Morning, Marianne. Need a menu? Nah, I'll just have the usual. You sure do love your eggs and coffee, Gary. Best way to start your morning, Marianne. Well, that and an issue of Town and County. What's that? Town and County is a new comic series written and drawn by cartoonist Alex Nall. He's that guy that wrote them books about teaching and that Mr. Rogers feller. Oh, he was such a nice man. The first issue is 36 pages of black and white comic stories with beautiful color covers and features six stories about folks in our little township here in Illinois. Like Susie Barber, the house cleaner that uncovers her client's dirty laundry, if you know what I mean. And Stanley Pepper, that big feller that just lost his job and took to drinking every night at Bugs' Tavern. Well, ain't that something? Town & County is published by Ivy Terrace Press, headquartered in Chicago. Chicago? Who would want to live there? So dirty. Each issue comes with a copy of The Hometown Hero, our little town's newsletter, and it's only $8. $8? Where can I get it, Gary? You can order a copy of Town & County on the internet at store slash Alex comics. Oh, there's your breakfast, Gary. Thanks, Marianne. (sniffs) Ah, nothing like a cup of coffee and a good comic book. Hey, Gutter Gang. Cam here
4: to tell you about Soggy Landing again, longtime supporter of the podcast. They recently sent us printed copies of the first three chapters to review and are currently posting chapter 4 online with updates on Instagram. And while I personally haven't seen any of chapter 4 since I don't read web comics, I can tell you the first three chapters are really fun to read and full of weed-smoking wizards and hijinks. They've also been contributors to Rust Belt Review, issues 3 and 4, with some soggy side stories, so make sure to check those out too. You can read Soggy Landing over on Study Group Comics and over on Instagram at Ian Densford or at welcome underscore two underscore soggy underscore landing soggy landing hell yeah dude
3: the last aviatrix is a post nuclear adventure comic by independent Los Angeles-based cartoonist Buster Cagle. The story follows Summer, our last aviatrix, who pilots the sole-surviving airplane, a nuclear-powered B-29. As she travels the ruined world finding ways to survive and help humanity while dealing with the eminent threat of the Atomborn, a rare breed of atomic wizards that want to see her out of the sky, her mission becomes complicated when she accidentally picks up Henry, an Atomborn child who wields incredible power, and Clementine, a berserker on a quest for vengeance. Can our aviatrix survive this ruined and irradiated waste land every issue can be read for free on bustercaglecom comics paper copies can be ordered as well but you know you can still read it for free if you like wizards or warplanes go check it out
1: now back to our program
3: And we're back from the break. Today, we are joined with cartoonist Mark Wagner, based out of South Dakota. Uh, how you doing, Mark?
5: I'm good. Thanks for having me.
3: Of course. Of course. Uh, yeah. So, we are going to be discussing quite a bit about your latest book, obviously, since um, that just came out pretty recently, right? And uh, that's out on Stranger... I was about to say Stranger Things. That's not right. Uh, <laughs> no.
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh... It's Strangers Publishing now.
3: Yes. Oh, okay. Strangers Oh, it's zines. not Fanzine anymore. Okay. Okay. Yep. Cool. Wow. All right. So, formerly Stranger Fanzines, aka Strangers Publishing. Uh, how'd you go about uh, getting this book out there and uh, how long have you been working on it?
5: Um, When I finished my last book, Dead Cells, uh, Eddie started contacting me about carrying that book through his distro, and then that later turned into him talking about doing a book for Strangers Publishing. I worked on it for probably about five or six months on and off.
4: Well, with the new book, when you were saying uh, you worked on it five or six months off, are you talking about Dead Cells there or the new book Metal?
5: Oh, yeah, sorry. I worked on Metal for about... Five to six months.
4: Okay. And you put out Dead Cells. I remember I bought a copy from you, but like ever since COVID time kind of like runs together. Was that like a 2019 or a 2020 book or maybe even later than that?
5: That was 2021 actually. Okay. Yeah.
4: Yeah, See, I've lost all fucking.
5: No, I had to look it up myself. It was almost, (laughs) they were about a, uh, a year apart in terms of release.
4: Yeah, um, and between the two books, uh, this one looks, not that the other one looked bad, but this one just, you really did just completely step it up with uh, what you were doing here. Uh, Were you consciously trying to challenge yourself there? Because I feel like you were experimenting a lot more in metal.
5: Yes, absolutely. That's sort of a a goal and like a little bit of a a game I set with myself each time I work on a new book is... In order to keep things interesting, try and push myself a little bit further and also try and learn from any uh, mistakes I made previously, whether those are conscious to other people or not.
4: Hell yeah. So are you like a, a lifer from uh, South Dakota or did you just relocate there?
5: A uh, lifer. Yeah, I, I've, I've lived here my, my entire life. I went to college like 50 miles away from where I live right now and then moved right back home.
4: All right, hell yeah! Did you end up doing the art school thing, or did you do something else in college?
5: Kind of. I went to a state school, and I ended up getting a graphic design degree so I could get some sort of employment post college. They uh, offered, they didn't offer minors in in fine arts. They they called them certificates, and that just meant you had to take three classes in a particular discipline. So I ended up getting certificates in drawing, sculpture, and printmaking.
4: So. I don't mean like for this to come off like bad, but like, can you do anything with these certificates or are they just kind of just, you know, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with that process.
5: Oh no, it's, it's, it's straight up just like, I don't know, like when you were in grade school and they, like, they print off like a fake little certificate when you do. <laughs> so like yeah. a, a, a like, jerk off hand motion thing. For sure, for sure. But <laughs> yeah, I ended okay. up like uh, spending more time working on stuff for those classes and really only using the graphic design stuff. To facilitate making comics and zines, like learning gotcha. how to use Photoshop and stuff like that.
4: So, is there any kind of scene there? I've, from what I've heard, it's you know, I heard it's beautiful there, but I heard it's you know, pretty like sparse as far as like any kind of activity. I would like to be proven wrong, so you know, if I'm ignorant, I do apologize. But uh, what's going on there, scene-wise?
5: Oh, it's um, not a whole lot. So you're not wrong. <laughs> Where I live, I'm about three and a half hours from Minneapolis and three and a half hours from Omaha. Anything that isn't relatively mainstream, you have to go to either of those two cities. I gotcha. So there's not really like a small press comic scene here. Uh, We have like a a little comic book convention, but it's very much like a pop culture Marvel convention, which is fine. But I don't really. I tabled there last year just because I wanted to table somewhere so badly. But it's not really the place to go to sell small press books.
4: So did you lose your shirt?
5: Uh no, no, actually um I did okay. I ended up bringing like a box of like graphic novels and stuff that I didn't want anymore and I sold those too. <laughs> and I think I ended up I love like, it. Yeah, it was great. I was full on like uh it was like a little f- like flea market and my buddy that works at a head shop, they had a a booth there. So he was having the time of his life just like running around throwing like Homer Simpson pillows at people and like all this weird bootleg merch that they found um yeah it was a it was an interesting time but not the best place to sell indie comics
4: so how did you navigate your way into them with you know not a lot of and ins- I don't want to say inspiration around you but I mean like if you don't have like you know people doing it around you how did you find your path to them
5: yeah uh so when I was in college I started making zines I was just taking drawings from like my sketchbooks And editing them, formatting them, and stuff like that. And I ended up making about 30 of them uh, over the course of like, uh, let's see, I started in like 2011. And so I found people online to like trade zines with and kind of got into that community a little bit. But I'm also a lifelong comics fan. So eventually making zines naturally turned into making comics. And I found people, I found, like, a community online in a similar way to what I did with zines initially. It's just, it was 10 years later and a lot easier to do.
4: Like, with, like, zine, you were making zines, were you, like, a punk?
5: Kind of, like, not... Okay not like i've always kind of just hung out with whatever groups of people i could like i've associated with the most but it was never like a hundred percent if that makes sense like i'd hung out with like metalheads in high school but i didn't dress like a metalhead i hung out with like punks but i don't don't really dress like a punk yeah yeah i'm not really into like the fashion side of things
4: so uh i got exposed to zines through going to like punk shows and people would have like distros with them in it so how did you get like you know exposed to zines
5: So in college, uh, in college, they took us uh, on a trip to Dallas for like a graphic design students conference thing. And there was an illustrator there who she teaches graphic design in Portland. Her name is Kate Bingham and Burt. And she actually gave this presentation on zines. And that kind of like opened my eyes to like, I hadn't probably honestly even heard of a zine up until then. Like looking back now, I was exposed to things that I would call zines now a lot of like like punk fanzines and stuff at shows but so she gave this this lecture and then had like a zine making workshop afterwards and as soon as i got back from dallas i like made my first zine and then just kept making them for years after that and like finding ways to to sell them or trade them and similar to the way i make my comics learning from each one how to make the next one better
4: hell yeah I do have one more question uh, about like kind of like zines before I'll let JB kind of get into his line of questioning. Um, But do you view like, you know, zines and comics kind of go hand in hand. It's like the Venn diagram and there's like the intersection at the middle. Do you feel like there's a huge difference? You know, we talked to, you know, John Porcelino on the show and, you know, he was saying, you know, he thinks there's definitely a difference. But, you know, I think it's all comics. Definitely there's like a difference between zines and comics. Um, But how do you view that disconnect or connection?
5: I think there's definitely more of a connection than a disconnect. I think it's, if you kind of want to get like a little like carny with it, you can change that definition depending on like what show you want to table at. I don't right. think it, there's really too much of a difference. Like, cause I have tabled at like zine fests and sold comics and not had an issue. And I've tabled at comic festivals and sold just zines of drawings. I guess it just comes down in terms of like content, but really, I mean, you could just lie to people and tell them this comic's a zine and get into a little zine fest or something.
4: Yeah, for sure. I look at it as like production value. Like for if sure. you're making it yourself, I think it's a zine. That's for sure. that's kind of how I outlined it in my head, but you know, I think I guess everybody has their own little definition or nuance to it.
5: I think the production is probably one of the only tangible or finite differences that you could really make a black or white argument about. I know that some people, like, no matter how it's produced, as long as you're the one that's publishing it, it's a zine. I think it's something you could go back and forth on until the end of time.
4: Yeah, for sure. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to it.
5: Yeah.
3: All right, so getting into uh, process, let's get into process talk. So I know early on, a lot of your work was done analog on paper. Has that changed at all?
5: So with Dead Cells, that was done entirely on A little 10-inch iPad that I bought. I bought it right before the pandemic started. And so I spent a few months learning how to draw on that. And then I was happy with parts of the process. It definitely, like, living in, like, a little house with the roommates at the time, it made it a lot easier to get work done because I could basically work anywhere. And then with metal, I took the parts of the digital process that I liked the most and utilized those while keeping the analog parts that I missed. And so with metal, what I did end up doing was is I inked and colored and lettered it digitally.
3: I see. So it was penciled digitally, or pencils, sorry, penciled analog. Uh,
5: correct. Yeah, by penciled analog, a lot of the times my pencils are actually just like uh, really loose ink sketches that almost like somewhere between pencils and thumbnails is what they'll be. Okay. Because it's so much easier to manipulate those digitally and kind of use those as a base.
3: Gotcha. Okay. That's interesting because a lot of the people that we talk to when it comes to, I guess, like bridging the gap between analog and digital, we see a lot of people doing digital pencils and then inking on paper. So it's interesting to hear you do the opposite of that.
5: Yeah. I I don't know if it's the right way, but it's at least at this time the preferred way. I like to work really zoomed in when I do work digitally. Yeah, And I'm not comfortable penciling and it's a it's a it's a pretty small ipad it was it was the most i could afford right right Um, it doesn't work super great for penciling on it and it's easier for me to get a view of the page as a whole if i'm doing it traditionally
4: Mm, That that makes total sense yeah
5: and i've already started working on my next book there was a little bit of a, I had like a little bit of wiggle room between completing metal and it and being released, so I was able to get a jump start. And this one, I'm going back to traditional all the way up to edits and colors. So, okay. Um, just because I missed drawing on paper, it was fun. But I actually found that, and I, I think some people, I, most people would probably argue that digital is quicker. I might be wrong about that, but I'm actually found out that I'm slower.
3: Yeah, I could. I mean, I have a similar problem. And again, going back to the zooming in thing, that does lead to a lot of my stuff. I don't know, looking a lot different than if it were on paper because, mm-hmm. you know, you can zoom in. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there is a a good gap or a good way to bridge that gap. I just haven't figured it out yet.
5: No, I haven't either. There's also like I have a the problem with being able to undo an incline an infinite number of times digitally mm-hmm. is actually more cumbersome than it is beneficial. Right? So I could just yeah, re- yeah. Redo something over and over and over and over rather than just it, it was probably fine the first or second time.
3: Right. Yeah. I mean the repetition part. It, I mean I I could see the positives of digital. In that, it's probably a good way to get a lot of inking practice done without wasting any paper or you know ink or materials in general. Yes, but I know what you mean. You you tend to overanalyze and overwork something that doesn't need to be uh, in the long run.
5: Yeah, that was exactly the problem that I it it took dead cells and metal to really figure that out because I. I could have probably completed another book in the amount of time that I've wasted. <laughs>
3: right. <Yeah. laughs> well, it's just all part of the process, right? You yeah, just it's all gotta... figuring it out. There's no right way to do it. Right, right. Yeah, making a thousand mistakes and then figuring it out eventually. For sure.
4: Do you think that you're going to continue to work in the uh, analog traditional method since you switched back? Or do you think you're going to jump back to digital? Like now that you're kind of, you know, doing this new book, you know, all one way, are you like kind of missing things you could do on the tablet or do you kind of like just, you know, going completely analog again? How's that experience going for you?
5: Uh, so far, I'm really enjoying it. Up until college, I was pretty anti-computer. When I would I would do like show flyers and stuff for bands and I would do them completely just like an ink drawing and then take them to Kinko's and make photocopies of the actual drawing. Like I wanted nothing to do with computers when it, when it came to making art. Um, but then when I got to my second year of design classes, they they put a MacBook in front of you and you have to use it. And then I realized that there are perks to both. So uh, part of me misses the the connection that you have when you're making a drawing on paper. So for now, I'm I'm working on reestablishing that, that experience.
4: Hell yeah. Can you talk about what you're working on right now?
5: Um... Uh, it's okay if not we can skip it uh, I, I'm always, yeah, I'll, I'll take think, that as a no yeah <laughs> it's it's already <laughs> it's already changed like three times so I don't want to say anything publicly because it might change again
4: I gotcha. you. So, are you just like in the very beginning, like planning processes, like yeah. thumbnailing and stuff? Okay. Well,
5: thumbnailing. I've got some pages done. I I want them to do sh- a couple shorter stories and then one longer one. So I'm wor- I'm using the shorter stories as like a practice run in a way, for sure. But just to like keep up with it, you know, working at least an hour a day on something, and you know, at the end I'll probably pick. A couple of however many I end up with. Try to make a little bit of a back catalog.
4: Yeah, I like uh, working. I mean, the majority of everything I do is short stories. Um, I just like working that way. Uh, You don't have to get, like, overly committed. I've got some long script ideas that I've been working on over the past couple of years, but I don't even know if I'll ever venture outside of, you know, a 16 to 24 page short story ever. I don't know if I have a, a graphic novel, quote unquote, in me.
5: <laughs> no, and that, that's the mistake that I made for the longest time was trying to work my way up to a, a full on graphic novel when right now I'm much more comfortable doing 24 to 30 page stories and have them be self-contained. For
4: sure. I think there's something to that. I mean, and also you get to play around with, you know, a lot of different things and have a lot of different irons going in the fire. So mm-hmm. it's just my preferred way of working. But, you know, it's whatever you prefer. But it's kind of funny because I feel like when everybody enters comics and maybe, you know, you all don't, but you want you have this like grand, you know, vision, then you start to like realize how hard the shit is. You're like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm not going to do this 300 page thing that I thought I was going to do. <laughs> like, I would that would just kill me it would literally kill me if I had to do a project like that long um, about the same thing rather
5: I completely agree yeah that first comic that I made Missing Cat was this long grand idea that I was gonna work on for years and I spent probably two or three years planning it all out and then I started drawing the first issue and I fucking hated it I didn't like it anymore I didn't want to continue with it Um, so I thankfully got that out of my system pretty quickly
4: yeah for sure JB, do you think you ever have, like, a long work in you? Because, I mean, everything you've done has been, like, single issue or, you know, shorts as well, right?
3: Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Long storytelling, I don't know. It would have to be something that I'm, like, really, really into. And also, uh, like, have enough gas in the story to really extend it. Yeah. Because, I mean, I guess there's, like, shortcuts, too, that I could do. Where it's just, like, three panel pages.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, I mean, it would still be a lot of rendering or whatever, but still... Uh, there's, there's ways to do that. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. I was approached maybe one or two times with something that would be like a 60 plus page type situation. Uh, so I I guess I could probably pull it off, but yeah, I don't know. It would just, it would really depend on what the story was, how I would approach drawing it, you know, just a lot of variables.
4: Hell yeah. One thing I do like about Metal, I do want to talk about like your storytelling. Um, you know, for those of you who haven't read the book and you're listening to the interview here, uh, the elevator pitch for Metal is uh, a couple. You know, I'm gonna guess small-time burglars. They kind of seem like they're I don't want to say completely inexperienced, but they're not like you know big league burglars. Uh, they decide to uh, break into a home, and the home is haunted. And then you have this really surrealist uh, horror comic. I feel like your storytelling leaves a lot open for interpretation. Something that I like, you know, just not necessarily a lot going on in some of the backgrounds. So you kind of just let that mood and atmosphere build. It's something that I personally use. I feel like your storytelling is stronger in this book, but a lot of it is open for interpretation. Do you have like, you know, your own understanding of what you want the reader to take from this? Or, you know, when you're making this with the reader in mind, do you want them to kind of take what they want from it? in those surreal moments, or do you feel like there's something for them to get that is there?
5: Your assessment is correct. I I wanted to make something that sort of... For one, I like making... Co- when I make comics or I'm trying to tell a story, I want to make an experience that is not only open to interpretation, but invites revisiting. Mm-hmm. It's something that you could read multiple times and get different things out of it. There's certainly... And as far as what the story's about, I have a personal answer, but I don't really care if that comes forward. Like if, I gotcha. I'm not looking to give them everything up front. Mm-hmm. There was a couple of years ago, but I saw an, an illustrator give a presentation and he talked about wanting to make art. He was talking about how he was very jealous of musicians because people will listen to a song dozens of times but usually if you're looking at a like a painting or a picture unless it's something that you absolutely love uh you might only look at it once and so i wanted to make something that was abstract enough to where people can project onto it whatever they want i don't want to give them the answer um i'm not trying to compare myself in any way but it's similar to like dave lynch's work
4: no definitely i would call this comic lynchian yeah for sure
5: yeah, I, I I really admire how he's not giving you all the answers, and he's not telling you that you're incorrect.
4: Right. I mean, fuck, he doesn't even tell his actors the answers, right. so I mean, yeah. <laughs> Which I'm sure is why he gets so, such interesting uh, performances out of, you know, people that don't necessarily show that kind of range, usually.
5: For sure.
3: So going back to process, uh, I noticed that a lot of your work, the way you render stuff seems to be influenced a lot by uh, relief printing? Am I off base with that assumption?
5: Uh no. No, no. Like previous like I said a little bit earlier, I took four printmaking classes uh when I was in college. It's a process I like very much. I really like uh thick lines and I like the type of mark making that you're able to get through various printmaking processes. You're talking mm, about the okay.
3: podcast, right? Yeah, I, also like I was going to say, <laughs> we got to clip that and send it over to Katie. I'm pretty sure they'll they'll be able to use that, that I really point. like
5: thick lines. <laughs> podcast.
3: No, I was just thinking about, you know, because uh, I, I, you know, I took a lot of printmaking courses too when I was in college and I really enjoyed uh, relief printing and, you know, using lino cuts and, and even wood blocks, even though that was a pain in the ass. It would be interesting to see if you would tackle an entire, you know, 24-page-plus story that's completely illustrated using that process only.
5: Yeah, I'm definitely open to the idea. I still have all my Linocut tools. Regardless of whatever medium I was working at or working in in college, I always would reuse characters. And there were a couple of times where I would make prints that were basically a comic strip, like a silent comic strip. And Talio... We did a little bit with, like, copper plates, but mm-hmm. cuts were my preferred printmaking technique. We weren't set up for screen printing at all. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, it was not a... The art building at the school I went to was, like, an old cafeteria building that they just gave to the art department.
3: Gotcha. No, my school was very similar. It was a state school, and uh, I think the music department... Uh, we figured out where all their money went in the art department and went straight to their uh, their music department for some reason. And so, we got their old building. It was just like this rundown rehearsal space uh, that we used as studio space. Uh, it really sucked, actually, now that I think about it. But uh, that's interesting to hear that your school had all of those other printmaking processes but not screen printing. Because intaglio alone, intaglio printing involves like so much in terms of like chemicals and waste disposal and you need the proper space in order to do it. It has to be properly um, aerated. Like there has to be like a, a, a fan system or something in order to cycle out air. They can do all that, but they can't do print like screen printing.
5: Yeah, I don't. We never really got a straight answer out of them.
3: They probably just didn't want to do it, honestly. Probably. <laughs> they were just like. Because I know screen printing in a lot of printmaking departments across the country in terms of like state schools, at least it's looked down upon by a lot of like academic types who are just like, oh, it's, you know, it's like the commercial printing. We don't do that here.
5: Right. And like when I ended up, I ended up teaching myself how to screen print after college and I did it in like a basement of an apartment building that I didn't live in. Hell yeah. And (laughs) I turned, I screwed like some hinge clamps into a ping pong table. To work as like a like a press bed almost, yeah. and I used a sink that wasn't like really hooked up properly, so it kind of mm-hmm. just drained under the floor, which eventually <laughs> made it to the actual drain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I was yeah. able to accomplish all that, but a state university was not able to.
3: Right. right. Yeah. No, I think 100% it's their kind of like attitudes about the medium, which luckily, for some reason – well, actually, I know why. One of the head professors in the printmaking department was a huge print uh, screen printer guy. Uh, he would do like print runs that had 45 plus screens on a single print. Good lord. So, he was – yeah, so he was like super invested in screen printing. He took it very, very seriously. So I think that's why the printmaking department still had screen printing plus all the other ones, uh, whereas a lot of other uh, state schools, at least, uh, definitely don't, don't even bother.
5: Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Our printmaking professor, her expertise was in intaglio.
3: Right, right.
5: But that being said, she encouraged me and a lot of my classmates to take a lot more risks and do a lot more interesting creative things and work outside the parameters of assignments much more than like graphic design teachers did. Okay. So like there was that. I ended up, we we had 24-hour access to the printmaking uh, studio. So uh, me and a couple friends would spend most of our time in there, you know, sneak beers in and just work all night on various things. Hell yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, there was not a whole lot of sneaking. We just kind of did it. No one no one said anything.
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, once we got into the building, we were okay. But
3: Oh, uh, okay, okay, okay.
5: Yeah, you had to have, have a campus cop let you in.
3: Oh, yeah, for some reason the campus cops didn't really bother us, which was great <laughs> for for many reasons cuz we definitely <laughs> We definitely did some shit that would have gotten us expelled, but <laughs> uh thankfully the cops did not give a shit about the art department.
4: Quick question real quick. I just want to ask do you have a lot of local pride for South Dakota? <laughs> the reason why I ask is, uh, you know, your little, uh, what do they call that? Like, uh, on like the Marvel and the DC comics, like back in the day, they would have like the square boxes with the logo and the heads in them and stuff. What do they call
5: oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my little logo. Your little logo.
4: I'm just asking, like, because it, it, you have Mount Rushmore on all of your comics that I have. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, your little logo. So I didn't know if, like, you know, you were just really about South Dakota or, you know, I just, I just wanted to ask that.
5: Oh, no, that one's kind of like another, like similar to my other work, it's, I've had that but interpreted by a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I personally, if it wasn't so cheap to live here and my family wasn't here, I couldn't give two shits. It's a politically very fucked place.
4: Okay, yeah, I expect that, yeah.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, a lot of my professors in college actually lived in Minnesota, like 15 minutes over the border just so they could get grants. The arts aren't really supported here by people that can make a big difference. So I guess short answer, no, not really. I have made that my logo. I call it Skullmore. Okay, yeah. Because when people think of South Dakota, they think of Mount Rushmore, which is to the, the bulk of the population in this state something to be really proud of which i don't agree with on a number of levels there's like the history of the monument itself there's the land that the monument is constructed on there's just a really dark history there mm-hmm. um so i, I use that as my logo uh initially was was to you know since i was sending stuff all over the country let people know where i'm at but also to subvert the state's own iconography in a way
4: hell yeah all right i got you cool Yeah, I was curious about that. Like, I was, you know, I didn't know if it was like a local, like, pride thing. So it's cool to kind of hear you explain that there. Yeah. All righty. So it comes that time of the show where we uh, take our listener questions and ask our guests and answer them if they apply to us as well as always if you want to participate with the show or with our guests uh, you could follow us on instagram at gutterboyspod boys Pod. we're also on twitter or you can email us at gutterboyspodcast at gmail.com we usually put up little questionnaires or you can just shoot us a question via email uh first question came from uh instagram user poops mcgee and the dirty three wrote in and asked i'm 100 sure you're going to talk about this but what's mark's biggest inspiration
5: that's actually kind of a difficult question is that a difficult question
4: yeah, to put it just on one. What's some like shit you're inspired by recently? How about that? Let's let's change it. Sorry to change your question there, but yeah, what are no. you vibing with recently?
5: The one that doesn't really waver would be Charles Burns.
4: I can see his influence in your work, not in like a blatant way, but I could definitely see that your inking techniques are informed by that.
5: Yeah, I got into that pretty late and I spent I spent all of my uh whatever, those those COVID stimulus checks buying as many of his books as i could hell yeah
4: i've only read uh the black hole and like the three big one like it was like the x out trilogy or whatever that's the only thing i've ever read by him, but uh all really great stuff
5: yeah i i got uh skin deep and uh hard-boiled defective stories off ebay and big baby and i think out of everything black hole is my least favorite not to say that i don't like it i, I like it quite a bit but that uh, Last Look trilogy is probably my favorite comic.
4: Hell yeah. Uh, JB brought one to the retreat when we were there, that El Borba book. And I didn't sit down to actually read it, but I flipped through it and it looked sick as fuck.
5: Yeah, so that's the the fanographic version of that is called El Borba. Um, but the one I have is older and that's, that's hard-boiled, defective stories. That stuff's oh, wild. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it looks sick. Hell yeah.
3: All right, friend of the show, patron and Thick Lines co-host Skelly 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 aka Katie Skelly. What's up Katie? Katie says, "Mark gave metal to me at Permanent Damage and it's fire. What influenced the story?"
5: Yeah, so uh shout out Katie, uh it was really cool. I went to Los Angeles to see Bauhaus and it just so happened to be the same weekend the Permanent Damage was going on. So I was able to meet uh Katie and then Nate Nate Garcia. Jasper all the kids all the kids and Pettiger <laughs> and stuff and Simon Anselman of course so that was a really really important trip it put a lot of things into perspective I guess being so isolated in the midwest it was really cool to get to to meet everybody so anyways the story of metal is the story was influenced by a, a house in my neighborhood I drive by every day going to work and every day coming home It's this abandoned mansion that just has been rotting away for years. And a friend of mine was joking about breaking in and taking a look around. And so that was sort of the basis of the story. But that Fred actually ended up moving away not too long after. And so them moving away ended up influencing the story. Like I didn't realize it until I reread it when I was finished. That my my personal experience with the story has a lot to do with uh, dwelling on the past, feeling nostalgic for for experiences and like personal relationships that aren't what they used to be. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like getting drunk on nostalgia, and rather than focusing on like where things can go, I gotcha. It was also I before I watched uh, before I made the comic, uh, I was watching a lot of. I watched almost all of John Carpenter's movies and quite a few Argento movies. So I think a lot of that seeped in there too.
4: Hell yeah. Alrighty, next question. Uh, You said you don't want to answer your girlfriend's question.
5: (laughs) (laughs) No, she can ask me herself.
4: (laughs) <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to leave it in just so, you know, the last thing we need is more people thinking that the gutter boys are silencing women. That's fair. That's so, fair. So um, we're going to, we're going to. Which we gonna, are. To be clear, which, we are. That's <laughs> what we're doing here, but it's because Mark said so, folks. So that's, that's true. Uh, right. That's true.
3: He's bypassing our sexism and he's doing it for other
4: reasons. So. Yes.
2: <laughs>
4: yeah. Alrighty, instagram user tom Stu divine has a two-parter for you uh first part out of metal dead cells and missing cat what was your favorite to work on and then they follow that up with are you looking at moving away from south dakota
5: yeah uh tom's a friend of mine local comics enthusiast shout out to tom it would probably go in metal's the most enjoyable uh to work on i was i felt a lot more confident in my abilities while working on that So, that was the one I enjoyed working on the most. Presently, I have no plans of leaving South Dakota due to... uh, If I'm poor here, I'm probably going to be really poor anywhere (laughs) else. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. But uh, thank you to Tom. He's been a a long-time supporter of my work, and he makes being a small press comic book artist a lot more bearable and enjoyable. He's been really getting into small press lately. So, it's been really cool to talk to him about that stuff.
4: Hell yeah. Shout out Tom.
3: Nice. Was he, like, predominantly, like, a big two guy before?
5: No, but, like, maybe... He's kind of, like, all over the place. He's very knowledgeable. Um, We go to the same comic book store. Uh, There's only four in the whole state.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah. That that narrows it down. Yeah. Yeah,
5: yeah. But, um, yeah, no, Tom's sick. He's very open-minded when it comes to comics, so...
3: Well, we don't like that here, so <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to tell you, Tom.
5: Our way or the highway, Tom. That's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Exactly.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: All right. Uh, next question is from friend of the show, patron member, Instagram user Mark L Dude. Shout out, Mark. Mark Martinez. Go pick up his variant cover that he did for a recent Godzilla comic. That's pretty cool. Uh, Mark asked, what influenced his color palette in metal? It reminded me of the 90s cup. Or 90s Taco Bell interiors. So we kind of sort of touched on that a little bit. It seems like a lot of that was probably pulled from uh, Carpenter and Argento and sort of like that very uh, bordering on neon, very bright, vibrant colors.
5: Yeah, yeah. That, the, um, a lot of that was probably subconscious, um, but I did spend a lot of time in Taco Bells in the 90s, so I'm not going to discount
3: that either. <laughs> Who among us hasn't? Correct.
5: Right. Correct it's the uh, the fast food franchise of the working family
4: mm-hmm. or just this the perpetually solo sad sack
5: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
4: there's nothing yeah there's nothing more
3: affirming than sitting alone in a taco bell just housing 20 dollars worth of food down your throat <laughs>
2: yeah
3: it fucking rocks yeah, it's true <laughs> yeah. it's it's a very dude's rock moment
4: we really, I still haven't been to one to this day, but there. I want to hit up a Taco Bell cantina. And um we tried to go oh, in yeah. Chicago and JB and Dylan Drug Dogs got to go in, but we couldn't find parking. Like we literally drove around. I, <laughs> were you in our car, JB, or were you just waiting for us? I forget, but I think I think we were waiting for you. I think. Yeah. So yeah, we yeah, literally yeah. just drove around like this area around this taco bell cantina because i wanted to you know eat taco bell and drink as terrible as that sounds it's just you know i had to try it was
3: this the one in wicker
4: park Yes. So I literally couldn't find parking. So Dylan's like, well, I'm fucking hungry. And Blake, you know, being a trooper, he was like, well, I'll just sit with you, Cam. So I was like, you guys go eat and I'm just going to drive around and just be a cuck until (laughs) you guys are done eating. (laughs) So we ended up like parking behind the Taco Bell in this like no parking zone. And there was like actually a taco truck that pulled up and we just turned the hazards on. And I was just like, if a tow truck comes, we're going to dip out. But we just ended up eating street tacos while you guys were getting drunk Uh, on the Taco Bell damn yeah all right uh there are two cantinas in
3: chicago uh there's one in wicker park and another one in logan square which is i i don't think that's far enough of a distance that's like <laughs> that's like two train stops down it's i don't know why they did that gentrification uh, taco bell well yeah like- yes gentrification that's for sure but yeah. I feel like they should have spread them out a little bit more. They're definitely not opening up one in Pilsen. The day they open up a cantina in Pilsen <laughs> Dude,
5: they're gonna is riot. the day Pilsen...
3: <laughs> yeah, it's done. Like, it's not... Either Either there's going to be riots and just millions of dollars in property damage, or we've all given up just, like, collectively as a people. Yeah. Uh, right. Because, I mean, again, nothing against cantinas. I'm, I'm, I'm pro Taco Bell cantinas, but, you know, just... Live Moss fourth meal, yeah, I'm all for that. I'm all about the Live Moss mentality, mm-hmm. but I know my limits too, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh,
4: all right, so next question. All right, uh, Instagram user, previous guest, front of the show, cram backward, Mark Koprinarov uh, asked, "When are you, Mark J Palm, and me going to link up like Voltron to finally put all the marks in their place?" And mm-hmm. um, there's a, there's spelling to this for the listener. It looks like Mark Palm. Mark Wagner and Mark Kopernarov all spell their name with the C. So when Mark asks his question, "When are we going to link up like the Voltron to finally put all the marks in their place?" he spelled "marks" in their place with the K. So I shouldn't have to explain questions, people. Mark, do better next time. <laughs>
5: yeah. <laughs> well, uh, for starters, uh, shout out to Mark and every Mark with the C. <laughs> It's uh
4: You know it's crazy actually. You know it's really fucking crazy, guys. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no, my please. first name is Marcus, my middle name's Cameron, and if I were to shorten my name, I could be Mark with the C with you all. But oh. I've never been called Cameron a day in my life, so you guys can fight that fight on your own. I've never okay. been called Marcus a day in my life, rather.
5: Uh, <laughs>
3: should I just call you Mark from now on? <laughs> if you wanna uh,
4: I won't answer.
5: I- <laughs> <laughs> well if you ever Change your mind. I'm willing to talk to the other guys and welcome in you into the organization. The contingency. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. It's a. I would say whenever Mark is ready, we'll uh, we'll get it done. We can throw Mark Bell in there.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark Bell's one. And we um,
5: probably need one more to actually.
4: Mark be- Summers. Okay. He's. Uh, I don't know if he did. He get can't. No, he's just OCD. I think.
5: Oh well.
4: Yeah, I was it's like say being Mark, canceled.
5: Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say Mark Maron. Obsessive canceled
4: disorder. Oh, Mark Maron. Yeah, yeah. Mark Maron he's because a, he's he played a cartoonist. Fellow podcaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
5: Right. Like he played a cartoonist <laughs> on a show I never watched, so I'm I'm kind of stretching the rules. But
4: yeah, talking about cartoonists on shows, this is off topic. But did you see that a24 uh, is actually and they're shooting it. They're they're doing a uh, like a, a mini series about Adrian Tamina's autobio stuff. Really. Yeah, so we're about to see, like, uh, I guess a a biopic, like, series of—it's based off of the loneliness of the long-distance cartoonist, so I don't know if, like, it's actually going to be, like, a character named Adrian or if it's, like, going to just be some kind of, you know, fictional story inspired by his travels or whatever, but yeah, we're about to see some uh, A24 cartoonist representation.
3: Damn. Well, yeah. you know, peace and love to Adrian, but that's going to be boring as fuck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't I'll
4: know
5: watch what to tell it just <laughs> to
4: see what it's about, but yeah, it's going to be like overly artsy probably. <laughs> uh, and I will also hey, add on to that.
5: Uh, I'll add on with peace and love. I look forward to the follow-up graphic novel from Adrian about how miserable of an experience it was being involved in the production. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Hell yeah. All right, uh, let's see. Right of the show, everyone's favorite child cartoonist. Well, second favorite, maybe. They can fight that out. I don't know. Uh, Nate Garcia Cartoons. Nate asked, what'd you have for breakfast, Mark? Be honest.
5: Uh, I had an iced Americano. Hell yeah. And a donut that a record store was giving out for free. They had a box of donuts for free. So I, I took one of those.
4: Did you go to record store day this morning?
5: I did. My friend runs a record store in town okay. here, uh, Total Drag Records.
4: Hell yeah. What'd you get?
5: I got nothing.
4: Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't even venture out. I didn't see anything. I actually no I just went down up.
5: there to say hello to him and get a donut.
4: Right on. What kind of donut?
5: Standard glazed, nothing fancy.
4: Can't beat that. That's that's the move.
5: Yeah, that with the iced americano, it was delicious.
4: This is off topic, but I just want to talk about Nate. He uh- <laughs> just got a review <laughs> in Four Color Apocalypse that was just like, pretty much like, if I interpret it correctly, it was just like, when is Nate going to go too far? <laughs> pretty sure. I have nothing to add to that. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> but never. Yeah. Never so far crazy his no. like short uh two-year career and people are saying when is he gonna go too far <laughs> no, he's a, <laughs> he's 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 a soldier <laughs> he's a soldier it's never enough yeah uh, Alrighty. last instagram question came from uh, a friend of the show and previous patreon guest actually joey Fennell. uh he asked adidas or puma track suits
5: i'm an adidas track suit man myself um
4: mm-hmm.
5: but i think they're all great
4: yeah i agree I like the look of Adidas more, but I will say that in the late '90s, early 2000s, when like Puma was like really holding it down for new metal, they had some really sick colorways coming out that Adidas didn't have. So I'll go with Puma tracksuits on the colorways, but for the look, you can't beat timeless classic Adidas.
5: Completely agree. Do Puma, does Puma offer like a velour? Is that them, or is that somebody else?
4: I'm pretty sure Stav from Cumtown has a Velour uh, Puma track suit yeah, that I've seen him wearing. that's
5: fucking fresh as hell. Uh, I, yeah. I just have an Adidas one because I got it for $20. And hell yeah. That's my go-to. I wear that whenever I table at events because it is comfortable.
4: Yeah, you can't beat it. What about you, JB? Adidas or Puma? I
3: think I'm an Adidas guy.
4: Yeah. All right. Yeah. Umbro. <laughs> I don't even know if Umbro's still around. <laughs>
5: Reebok.
4: Right. I always wanted one of those New Japan tracksuits, though. Oh, yeah, dude. That would be so fucking sick. Didn't, uh, didn't they? They never sold those, did they? Oh, they sold, like, a bunch of different ones. Okay, I thought, like, that I've seen the jacket, but I didn't know if, like, they sold, like, the ones that the actual, like, ring crew wears.
3: Yeah, of course. Anything you see them wear, you 100% know they're selling it. That's sick then. So why don't you get one? They're like $180. <laughs> Top and bottom? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Maybe more actually. It might be like 200 plus.
4: Yeah, plus shipping. Yeah, I see. I see. Yeah,
3: yeah. And Japan, and you gotta get a fucking middleman to ship it. And yeah, it's a pain in the ass.
4: Yeah, alright. They do look sick though.
3: No, yeah, they do. They do.
4: Hell yeah. Well, uh, before we get out of here, Mark, we do want to thank you for coming on. Uh, we look forward to whatever you're doing in the future. You'll have to come back on on Patreon if you want to and Shoot the shit with us now that you've uh, been uh, ushered in.
5: Thanks for having me on.
4: Oh yeah, of course, dude. And uh, before we get out of here, though, uh, where can people, you know, buy the book? Uh, I know it's out via Strangers. It actually has a barcode, so they're stepping things up over there. That's pretty sick. I've never even had a fucking barcode. So is this available through Diamond? <laughs> What's going on?
5: Um, I think that they are. I think there's some distribution announcements coming down. Okay. The way, so I don't know if that's my uh, tale to tell, but. Hell yeah. uh, Yeah, it's my first book with a barcode, so that's really cool. It's available at strangerspublishing.com. There's a bunch of pretty killer books available there, too, so you can save yourself some money on shipping. Jasper's uh, Dynamite Diva book is available through there, and that's one of the... Don't plug him for free. He gets enough of that on here. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Out of... This is a brief tangent, this doesn't have to stay in, but about, about of everybody that i met out of permanent damage, Jasper and Katie, like, tie for, like, the nicest.
4: Yeah, Jasper seems like a very nice, swell boy. Yeah, he,
5: he was a good boy. He's being, it's not his fault that he's being corrupted by Nate.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Which is That's funny, true. because, like, Nate, Nate's the <laughs> younger brother. Yeah,
5: for sure. Yeah, he...
4: Yeah. We're going to have to do like a a Patreon episode when Nate has to defend himself from cancellation. We're just going to owe it to him as a friend and be like, look, you're you're on your
3: own platform. It's yours, bud. (laughs) Nate is the Bart Simpson and and Jasper's Lisa. Yeah. Completely. Completely. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. That's... uh but only only the lisa simpson that's wearing the tie-dye shirt and the backwards hat and right yeah yeah
4: yeah the cool uh, (laughs)
5: yeah the cool lisa
4: Lisa. cool right right yeah cool lisa so what about your other books are they available at strangers are they out of print now
5: uh dead cells you can get through me um i got a link tree to both books on my instagram which is mark makes things uh mark with a c the correct spelling
4: hell yeah and uh any website anything else to plug
5: uh, you can go to markmakesthings.com dot com if you want. I have not updated it in years, and it's uh, but it's there. I I keep telling myself every winter that I'm gonna update my website, and I just don't.
4: Yeah, I think that's like uh, everybody's. I've been. I I don't even have one, and it's been on the to do list. It's literally permanent on my dry erase marker board. That's how long it's been up there. <laughs> yeah. To get a website, yeah.
5: <laughs> if the domain wasn't like being automatically paid for every year, I would have just let it expire, but right yeah uh thanks for having me on
3: yeah for sure all right well that'll do it for this episode thanks again to mark for coming on and uh talking about his newest book if you want to be on the show don't dm us uh <laughs> we will dm you <laughs> we yeah, I, yeah 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 our people been on the will show. call you
4: yeah our no, people will
3: call your people
4: yeah 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 the pipeline is just dm a previous guest and have them dm us um <laughs>
3: that's true and then have them bully us into inviting you <laughs>
4: no, no but uh, uh, we've got some good up. yeah no it's okay you can DM us to be on the show um, yeah 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 we've yeah, actually yeah, yeah. had guests on the show that said I'd love to come on sometime and we've made right. it happen so um, absolutely DM us if you want to come on the show what are we talking about this at the end for stay gutter bro
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah
4: stay gutter <laughs>